0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranick a TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. Today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers in Augusta, Georgia, are competing for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action. They're giving you a shot to land not on the green, but in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code TBPN. Now, if you haven't tried DraftKings, now is the perfect time to do so. Here, it's easy to play. Pick six golfers, standard the salary cap, and then submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. You rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Now, even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is episode 26 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. And in today's show, we're going to actually talk a little bit of golf, believe it or not. We're going to do some 901 knowledge today with Daryl Smith. He is the tournament director for the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which is now a World Golf Championship event that is going to be coming up in August. And, uh, Since there's a big golf tournament going on in Augusta, Georgia, I thought it'd be a good time to catch up with Daryl. Also, tickets for this PGA-sanctioned and WGC event will be going on sale uh, in early April. So we wanted to uh, take advantage of that and share uh, one of the really cool events in Memphis with folks as we talk uh, beyond uh, Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Of course, we will talk Grizzlies basketball with That Was the Week That Was. We'll recap the most recent games played by the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, we're going to give Petey's points a week off. Uh, I'm not feeling terribly opinionated today. So instead of Petey's points, what we're going to do, uh, because it's the first time that Jaron Jackson Jr. has met with the media, has spoken to the media, uh, I'm going to uh, bring up some of the audio from the press conference from last week. Jaron Jackson Jr. actually uh, talked to the Grizzlies media relations staff and said, you know what, I want to talk to the media they haven't heard from me in a while my return is uh sometime in april and uh i miss talking to the guys so uh we will run that audio of jaron jackson jr's meeting with the media from uh last week so we've got that and uh daryl smith as i said in some 901 knowledge so that's what we've got going on in today's show (laughs) And without further ado, let's get into that was the week that was. Grizzlies playing a couple of games since our last visit. Uh, Friday, they took on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves coming off a rally from 18 down to beat the New York Knicks in the Twin Cities. Uh, Grizzlies, of course, coming off the loss to the Utah Jazz. Grizzlies get back to 500 at 23-23 with a 120-108 victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves. This was a solid all-around effort for the Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies getting a 50-plus Bench point effort again. Grizzlies put eight in double figures, four starters, and four off the bench. Valanchunas racks up yet another double-double. Ho-hum, 19 and 11 for Valanchunas. He led the Grizzlies in scoring. Grayson Allen with 15, with five threes made in a starting role. DeAnthony Melton was sensational off the bench. 14 for him on four of six from beyond the arc. Four boards, three assists, and three steals for Mr. Do-Something. So, Grizzlies... This was a tightly contested first half. Grizzlies were up only two at intermission, but they broke it open with a 24-18 third quarter over the Minnesota Timberwolves and put a little bit more distance between themselves and the Wolves in the fourth quarter. Grizzlies were actually outshot fractionally in this game Uh, Minnesota 44.7 Grizzlies 44.2 but the difference here for a change was a a three-point margin that favored the Grizzlies they were plus seven in three-point makes they made 19 like I said Grayson Allen had five DeAnthony Melton had four Dylan Brooks had a couple John Moran had a couple as well uh, and Tyus Jones, against his old team, dropped in a couple of triples as well. Minnesota got a a great game from Carl Anthony Towns, 30-16. and They got 22 from Anthony Edwards, but uh, the bench was the difference in this ballgame for the Grizzlies. They led by as many as 25 at one point. And even though the Grizzlies only had 38 paint points, the fact that they made 19 threes uh, really took care of any worry about paint scoring for the Grizzlies. They also had 26 second-chance points, Grizzlies, 14 offensive rebounds to only five from Minnesota. Grizzlies took 10 more shots, and uh, they went at 120-108. to Then on Easter Sunday night, the Grizzlies start a four-game road trip against Eastern Conference competition when they take on the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers, the best home record in the Eastern Conference. They were playing on the second of a back-to-back. They had played the night before at home against Minnesota. They took care of the Timberwolves, although... Minnesota gave them a run for their money toward the end of that basketball game. A First quarter, Grizzlies very good defensively. They hold Philadelphia to just 22 points. Looked like Ben Simmons might have a big game. No Joel Embiid, not playing the second of a back-to-back. He had played the night before against Minnesota, about 28, 29 minutes. And so just to uh, assist his, his knee rehab, he did not play in this game. Uh, Grizzlies up ten at intermission, and then the third quarter—that's when the floodgates really opened. Grizzlies were scoring in transition; they made seven threes in that quarter alone, put up 45 points in the third, one off the franchise record for points in a quarter. Grizzlies would lead by as many as 28 in this game. They end up winning at 116 to 100, and the game really wasn't even that close. Uh, as the uh, the Sixers went with seldom used players for the final 10 minutes of this one. Grizzlies were the beneficiary of the fact that because they had such a large lead, nobody played more than 28 and a half minutes. And John Morant logged 28 minutes, 39 seconds. Uh, Only eight points for Ja, but he was a plus 29, had 10 assists to just two turnovers. Again, the Grizzlies outstanding from three. They shoot 16 of 38 for 42% from beyond the arc. They shoot 49% from the floor. They hold one of the better offensive teams in the league in the Philadelphia 76ers to just 41.5% shooting. Again, I know, no Joel Embiid. Danny Green only was six. Seth Curry only made one shot all night long. Ben Simmons, who is a triple-double threat every time he steps on the floor, had a triple-single. 7.7 boards, four assists. Uh, Grizzlies had four of their five starters in double figures. They get another 50-point performance off the bench, 14 from Melton, 15 from Clark, 14 from Desmond Bain. Grayson Allen hits four threes. Jonas Valanciunas, now 10 consecutive double-doubles for him. That's the longest streak in his career within the framework of an entire season and tied for the longest streak he's ever had, period. Uh, th- this was a solid all-around win by the Grizzlies. They came out. They played with great force. They, they took Philadelphia's will to fight uh, out of them, particularly in that third quarter. I know Philadelphia was tired. I know that they had played the night before, but they didn't have to travel. Still, all that being said, I mean, the Grizzlies handled their business, and they did it in extremely impressive fashion, winning 116 to 100. So the Grizzlies move back above 500 at 24 and 23 as they get ready for a Tuesday date against the Miami Heat and the Grizzlies. Well, they've swept Philadelphia. They've swept Brooklyn. I know Brooklyn didn't play their stars, nor did Philadelphia. But the Grizzlies are 4-0 against those guys, and they're trying to sweep Miami on Tuesday night. And so that was the week that was. Grizzlies winning a couple of games against Minnesota and Philadelphia as they continue the road trip Tuesday night in Miami. Normally, at this time in the program, we go to Petey's Points. And uh, I would offer up my opinion on certain topics in the NBA, but I'm going to leave the opinions off to the side now. Uh, doing something a little different in this episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind. We'd not heard very much from Jaron Jackson Jr. because he had been rehabbing the torn meniscus. And prior to the Minnesota game last Friday, uh, he approached the Grizzlies communication staff and said, I would like to be one of the guys that gets interviewed after shoot-around. And I, I applaud Jaron for being a stand-up guy and wanting to talk to the media because, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, why is it taking so long and, you know, why is it he back already? We thought he'd be back in March and now he's not going to be back until April, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, props to Jaron for meeting the media. And so uh, rather than me pontificating about uh, stuff, I'm basically going to run the audio from that press conference And uh, so you can actually hear from Jaron and not just snippets, but you can actually hear the whole thing. The first question that was asked of Jaron was, look, was there anything that slowed your rehab down because people expected him to be back a lot sooner?
1: Uh, I mean, from the jump, we had a plan. Uh, My medical staff put together a plan for me to come back 110% and we followed it to a T. So um, I'm glad we did it the way we did. Uh, there's really not not much more I can ask of them. They've been amazing uh, from beginning to end. And I'm just, I'm happy the way it went because it's, it's given me a chance to not only like recover fully, but, you know, make gains in other areas, you know, work on nutrition and work on a bunch of other things that I wouldn't have time to work on. So I'm happy about that.
0: Then Jaron was asked if he was surprised at the length of the rehab, and also to reflect on the day that the injury occurred in Orlando.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I had never, I had never gone through anything like this before. Uh, in that game, I remember, I remember when it happened, and I and I did finish the game. I I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was, I was just playing. You know, playing hard like like I do. And if I'm ever have a chance to be out there, I'm gonna be out there. So yeah, when it happened. It was definitely tough. Uh, after that, went through a went through a bunch of emotions, not not being around my guys. And it's definitely been hard not being around them. And I just want more than ever to just play with them. And, you know, they it, it's crazy. I have no words on that. It's 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 a feeling I can't put into words. Uh, I just I just was following the plan. It I had nothing really to compare it to because I hadn't done it before. Um, I wanted to go ahead and take a route that gave me a chance to come back 110 percent and you know what you asked will she be received and my medical staff did a great job of making sure that happens they they followed it with my strength coaches they followed it the whole staff and you know I'm I'm happy we did it we did it this way for real.
0: Jaron was then asked about his mental state during the rehab and if he had a particular game in mind when he would return to action.
1: Uh yeah uh, I'm very soon, definitely this month. Um, so I'm excited about that woo woo this month. <laughs> but uh, being away from the guys, it gives you a chance to look at the game in a different way. It, it slows down. You're looking at a lot more film. I'm looking at the game from my perspective. Um, so you can see a lot of smaller things. I think emotionally, you just you just, you know, you got to withstand that it, being away from the game for this for this long has been has been an experience for sure. It's something I haven't ever done in my life. So it's new to me. And, you know, you just got to take the lessons that you get along the way and apply them to things going forward. But it's for sure has built me for sure. And I'm honestly grateful for the experience as weird as that is to say, but I'm grateful for it.
0: Then Jaron was asked who was crucial in his support system during the rehab.
1: Yeah. My family has been there the whole time. Uh, My teammates for sure. Like just, Always being around them still has just been a joy. I mean, although I can't get out there with them, you know, when the lights are on, I'm I'm always around them. We're always talking, you know, we're always having fun, you know. Us, um, and yeah, they've 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 just been there for me. Like whether whether it's talking about stuff, whether it's just hanging out like we do, you know, normal stuff. Um. Yeah, I've I got my guys. And they got me.
0: And Jaron was asked about those areas in which he felt he improved during the rehab.
1: Yeah, my strength, huge. Um, I feel like I'm so much stronger, stronger than I've ever been for sure. Um, and when I when I met nutrition earlier, I just meant in terms of dialing in on eating better. I probably would have done that had I been playing or not, but you never know. But I definitely dialed in on that, on the court, balance, my shooting, Getting everything back that I had, and uh, yeah, just working on my craft, working on my mental. I mean, there's so many different things. It, it, but a lot of it just came from watching film. A lot of it came from working with my coaches on the floor, um, them looking at my past film and kind of giving me anecdotes on how to be better in the future and what things I could have done better and little things like that. And I've and I've grown so much, so much since that time. So I'm just I'm just excited to put it all together.
0: And Jaron was asked about his expectations for himself once he does return to the court.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, my teammates are going to help me with what everything I need, uh, the flow of the offense, the plays and just, you know, how they're, how they're working right now. They're going to help me. They're going to help me get right into a rhythm. Uh, I always, am going to have high expectations for myself, um, but really just getting out there and playing with them is just going to be great in general. Um, I know that they're going to help me along the way with, Pretty much whatever they played a ton of games, and yeah, I, I have no, I have no worries about that at all.
0: Jaron was then asked to evaluate the play of his teammates.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're doing great. Uh, we we've had a bunch of injuries, a bunch of weird things that's happened. I mean, we are in a COVID year, so pretty much just playing out this year has been a win for us. But, you know, we have better we have higher expectations than that Uh, sitting sitting over there watching them. I've I've been so proud of them watching them. Um, It kills me not to, like, get out there and just check in the game and not just and just go out there and help. them. that's just like my instinct and my impulse. And it's like a sick feeling when you sit there and you can't do anything. Um, But at the same time, I mean, being out has helped me grow in other areas as well. And I, I'll be able to take that moving forward for sure. And and while I've been on the bench, you know, bringing energy has always been my thing, even when I'm playing. So I, I didn't want to change that. I wanted to just continue to always be that battery for them, especially if we didn't have fans. For a while, we didn't have fans. And now we're getting fans back. So, you know, they can come back and be our real six man like they do. But but when we didn't have them, I was just bringing energy, making sure I'm keeping guys engaged. Every everyone's just locked in. And... Yeah, this just you keep yourself involved. You keep yourself engaged. And that that helps the team always.
0: And this I thought was the best moment of the press conference when Jaron was asked, Why are you meeting the media today? You're not under any obligation to visit with us.
1: I mean, I miss talking to y'all, man. I can't really talk to y'all like normal. I can't uh see none of y'all. Can't have no uh weird banter or funny jokes or uh dry humor like like we have and you know. No, I miss talking to y'all, but for, for sure, uh, this month is a, is going to be a good month for me, and uh, probably just fits that, that we talk now. I, I don't, you know, I just miss talking to y'all. I am talking to a camera right now, so it isn't like I'm talking to y'all, but I am talking to y'all, so I'm taking that as a win.
0: So that was Jaron's meeting with the media last Friday. I was very impressed with Jaron's mature response to all the things that had gone on, a a long rehab, uh, a difficult injury, uh, and just making the decision to, to take the long view of his career. They could have simply removed the meniscus, and he would have been back sooner, but it would have opened him up to perhaps some early arthritis, might have shortened his career, and they realized that fixing the meniscus rather than removing it was the best course of action over the long term. And so good maturity on his part and appreciated the fact that he wanted to meet with the media. He had missed it clearly and, uh, and enjoys the, uh, <laughs> as he said, quirky banter. So glad that uh, glad that he met the media, and uh, we, I'm more than happy to share that with you. Uh, the Grizz Weekly Grind today is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major, college, and NBA players. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. I would hope that uh, you are enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please do feel free to subscribe and to review. Let us know if we are uh, hitting the mark as far as what you're looking for in terms of Grizzlies content. Uh, with that, we're going to drop some 901 knowledge today, something a little different. Uh, Daryl Smith is the Tournament Director for the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. It is now a World Golf Championship event held at TPC Southwind. It will be held in early August this year. It's, it's had to bounce around the calendar uh, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is covid And hopefully this year they are actually going to have spectators, which they were not able to have last year. And, of course, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, the major beneficiary. thought it would be a good idea with the Masters coming up uh, starting this Thursday and with tickets going on sale for the aforementioned FedEx St. Jude Invitational. thought it would be a really good time to drop some 901 knowledge with the tournament director of the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, Daryl Smith. So Daryl, you followed a legend in Phil Cannon as the tournament director of the FedEx St. Jude was then classic, now invitational. For those who aren't familiar with golf tournaments, what does a tournament director do? And give us a sense of, of what Phil was like as a mentor.
2: Yeah, well, you bet. I mean, uh, you're, you're right. I followed a legend in, in Phil and owe a lot to, to Phil just to give me the opportunity to, to lead Memphis's professional golf event. You know, I, um, I got introduced to Phil as a senior in college and told him my desire that, Hey, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get the professional sports and I wanted to get in professional golf. It's been, it's something that has been, you know, golf was a connector for, for me throughout my youth and a way that I could uh, potentially find a passion point and turn it into a career. And he gave me that opportunity. Um, and he was exactly how you would think as, as, as a mentor, he was fabulous. He, he, he definitely gave everybody, um, access to to all things that it takes to put on a tournament and you learn so much just by observing and to be around Phil for so many years and just see how he worked with customers and volunteers and players your is real quickly qu- quickly you can identify why he was so successful is that he really built uh, built authentic relationships and i think in life and in a business um, those relationships are, are are what matters and you know, you take that as a foundation, and you just able to amplify those, and you got a great uh, recipe for success. So, um, being a tournament director, you know, it's uh, a question we get all the time: like, hey, w- what do you do? Uh, some people think we play golf every single day uh, at noon, and you know, get to play with Pete and Brevin at Southwind, <laughs> and you know, just you know, talk about the game of golf. But you know, it's uh, we work all year round for one week. I mean, that's how we sum it up. I mean, um, it's almost like we're building towards you know, we are building towards a very special week. Um, There's a lot of anticipation, but it doesn't happen overnight. So um, most of our time is spent on revenue generation. um, And we're trying to find companies that believe in professional golf as a avenue to to grow their business or to help retain their business. And we're offering unique experiences, um, a lot that, uh, you know, several that are no different than what the Memphis Grizzlies offer at FedEx Forum. And Um, that could be private hospitality on any one of our 18 holes of golf that could be a unique golf experience with a pga tour professional Um, that could be branding and sponsorship Um, so we spend most of our time on that uh, aspect of our business and that's probably the the part of our business that requires the most attention Um, but we also have to energize a 1600 person volunteer base Um, we have to coordinate and organize that i mean 1600 people don't organize themselves so they're separated out into 40 different committees. We spent a lot of time making sure they have the resources that they need. Um, we liaison with our two biggest, uh, you know, our two biggest partners in FedEx and St. Jude and make sure that we're, you know, de- definitely um, are able to highlight the stories that they want to highlight, the, the stories that they want to share and why they support this Memphis institution. So um, we had a great uh, broadcast partner at CBS Sports. So um to, I guess to to sum it all up, we do an awful lot. Um, you know we do a lot that that makes the week happen. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, um, but it's a truly a team effort, and uh, I'm just really blessed to be in that position.
0: Sometimes athletes will say, you know the the practices are hard and the game is easy. Um, what's what's harder and what's easier? Is it harder to prepare in the tournament week is easier or is, or is it vice versa?
2: I would tell you that the, uh, it's definitely the practice part is hard. I mean, once tournament gets here, I mean, that's, that's really our celebration. Um, we'd have a lot of people come up to us and say, I bet you can't wait till this week's over. And it's actually quite the opposite. Um, we, we are working every single week to, to get to that week. And that week is a celebration of all of our hard work. And it's all the celebration of the, you know, the, the amount of support that we've been able to, uh, to attract um, once tournament week gets here, it's more of a festive environment. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do and we want to make sure that we fulfill on our obligations. Um, but the work that you do throughout the, throughout the off season and, and painting this picture of what TPC South will be transformed into, I mean, we're so different that we can't point to anything right now. Uh, but I can promise you come in five months, there's going to be a lot of excitement on the 18th green and there's going to be the best players in the world you know, walking between the clubhouse and the putting green. Um, so we, you know, w- w- we feel like uh, tournament week is a is a holiday. It's a celebration. The day after is like the, you know, it's it's hard to come to work because it's like all the excitement has been, you know, ha- has been drained out of this out of this ecosystem. And the best players in the world are back in their homes in South Florida, or they're at the, you know, a FedEx Cup playoff event. Um, so definitely, the preparation is 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 more challenging.
0: We are we hope coming out of the COVID pandemic, people are getting inoculated, more sports venues are allowing fans and more fans to be in venues. What's the prognosis for the tournament, which will take place in early August as far as having fans?
2: Yeah, so we're, um, we're hopefully optimistic uh, that we are going to have a, uh, a large number of spectators back on site or some level of spectators back on site. It's exciting to see that, you know, the Players' Championship that was a few weeks back, you know, had, had fans on site, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and then our sister tournament that was just played last week at the in Austin, Texas, the Dell Technologies Match Play had fans back on site. So um, everything continues to improve. Um, the rate of vaccines being in the market is, is encouraging, and um, that's what our focus is right now, is to is to welcome um, fans back on site here at Southwind and really celebrate everything that this tournament had, you know, means for this community. Uh, the first year of a world golf championship was a 2019 and we had great momentum and we knew Memphis would support this event at a high level. And just to, you know, then follow that back up with a, a 2020 that, you know, none of us could do anything about that were, that was played under, you know, really the height of the pandemic. Um, we are excited that we were able to showcase city of Memphis and showcase the, the great work of St. Jude uh, through our, you know, our TV partner, CBS Sports. But we are very eager to get our friends and family back on site to have a, a great week.
0: For a number of years, this was the FedEx St. Jude Classic, and it had an unfortunate calendar spot leading up to the U.S. Open. Some players wanted to get ready for the U.S. Open by playing in Memphis. Others wanted to rest up for the U.S. Open by not playing in Memphis. Now it's a World Golf Championship event, and it's an invitational. Uh, For those who are not familiar with the World Golf Championship Series and what it means in terms of the field, give us a a sense of what a WGC field looks like.
2: Yeah, um, that that is vastly different from a FedEx St. Jude Classic, which is – which is known as more of a co-sanctioned event. And now we're a world golf championship. Um, there's, a, there's four world golf championships in the world, two played domestically and two played internationally. Um, one of the international tournaments was supposed to be played in Mexico City early this year. It was moved to Sarasota, Florida. Um, but they are invitationals and there are certain criteria that you have to meet in order to play. Um, the top 50 players in the official world golf rankings are eligible to play in our event. Uh, as well as select winners from events that have a strength of field over 115 or higher. So when I say strength of field over 115 or higher, um, that basically means every single tournament on the PGA Tour that someone is to win that is not played opposite of a major championship or, or a World Golf Championship. Um, one of the key components, I, I would say, with the WGC is that um, it's a no-cut event as well. So it has one of the larger purses in the game of golf. And the players are, um, you know, they're promised to be here for all four days. And a typical PGA Tour event, you play two days, Thursday and Friday. If You play well enough, you're around for the weekend, and you're in the money. Uh, here at the WGC, you're going to be in the money when you tee off on, on, on Thursday. So the elevation to a WGC has uh, greatly impacted our field because the best players in the world um, use these to increase their world ranking points. Um, They, you know, they're wired just like any other athlete. They want to play against the best of the best. And that's what WGC fields look like. Um, The FedEx St. Jude Classic might have had in between eight to 10 of the top 50 in the world. Um, Our first two years, we've had average 46 of the top 50 in the world. So um, it is it is definitely a a different experience from the, the cast of characters that are on the on the playing field. And it has really, um, you know, been a shot in our arm to know that every single year when we get closer and closer to the tournament, that we're going to have the best players in the world. Um, the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Extremely proud of it, and we had great. We had great. Um, you know, we had we had great stories there. Dustin Johnson, a two-time winner. Brooks Kepka had a, uh, a love for this event before it was a WGC, and finally won it in its first year as a WGC. Phil Mickelson loves. Love the FedEx St. Jude Classic. But just to know that, you know, the Roy McElroys, the John Roms, Justin Thomas's look, when they build a schedule early in the season, that Memphis is always going to be included. Um, it definitely makes our job a little bit easier.
0: We're visiting with Daryl Smith, the Tournament Director of the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, as part of our 901 Knowledge Series here on the Grizz Weekly Grind, you mentioned some guys who did come to Memphis when it was a classic and not an invitational. They came for multiple reasons. Like I said, some guys wanted, to, wanted, a, wanted a, a, a prelude event, if you will, to the U.S. Open, but then a lot of guys had a fondness was it for the golf course? Was it for the the charity of St. Jude? Was it for the ribs? I mean, what what was it that brought some of these guys back that they enjoyed playing in Memphis? Because you'd hear the players say, man, I love coming to Memphis. Why, why did they say that?
2: Yeah, I think it, for, for each one, it was probably a little different. You know, I think when a PGA Tour player looks at this, looks at what events they're going to play every single year, schedule is important. So just how, you know, how, how does it fit into – to our schedule, what, 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 what are, what, what is that player doing? Um, You know, what they want to, you know, they're going to want to play the major championships, of course. How does their game um, need to be prepared for a major championship? Is it rest? Is it, is it playing? Uh, Golf course, Southwind is underrated. Um, It is a fabulous golf course, tee to green. Uh, You're not going to hear many players beat up our golf course. Um, They're going to say it's extremely fair. Um, and that's what they want for the most part of a golf course. If you play good golf, you're going to be in contention, and it's going to reward great, great play, and it's going to penalize bad play. And that's important for, for, for players, of course. Um, so the golf course has never been an issue. Um, of course, our, our city and Memphis and just kind of the vibe that we've tried to create and you know, to, to celebrate the cultural richness of our city has been something that we've put a lot of effort to. Um, but St. Jude does matter. Uh, St. Jude uh, is an important piece of our event. And we do a lot of things on site that, that make that very, very prevalent. And with it's the, you know, patient design artwork on the caddy bibs. It's the St. Jude patient serving as honorary pin flag holders on the 18th green on Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's naming the FedEx airplane after a St. Jude patient whose mom or dad is a team member at FedEx. Um, St. Jude definitely is probably one of the few charities that players recognize is involved in the PGA Tour event. And we're proud of that. Um, It's good for St. Jude. It's good for us. Um, And I I would tell you that players respond to to our charity message as well. So it's a mix of all things. Um, I don't know if any player is going to pick one particular golf course over one particular thing. But when they lay it all out and there's a mix of things that that make them, that, that, that pique their interest, then it's an advantage for us. Um, All of our players in the past three years that have won this tournament, after they made that winning putt on 18, they made a financial contribution to St. Jude. And um, I'm sure that happens a lot on the PGA Tour because it's uh, a a tour that's built on on charitable giving and impacting our communities. But to know that's happened here in Memphis, um, it means a lot to us. and I know it means a lot to our friends at St. Jude.
0: Yeah. I've had the opportunity, you know, working for CBS as a spotter to be inside the ropes and you're on the 18th green and you're surrounded by fans and the world's greatest golfers. And then a St. Jude patient comes out to hold the pin flag and, and a glove is signed and a ball is signed and pictures are taken. And it, and it and it raises goosebumps on you because it is such a, such an incredibly touching moment. And what I like about professional golfers is that the, they just seem to get it. They understand the impact that they can have, which is fantastic. And I know that your event routinely wins the best uh, charitable uh, integration uh, between tournament and, uh, and tournament charity, and, and you are to be congratulated for that. Last thing for you, Daryl, um, and I know that people can follow the tournament on Twitter at WGCFedEx. Give us the dates and uh, whatever ticket information you have on hand at the moment.
2: Yeah, so August 2nd through 8th, 2021, TPC Southwind uh, will actually be open to the public starting August 4th on Wednesday for practice rounds. Tickets for Wednesday start at $30, and then um, we're actually going to go live with all of our ticket offerings uh, Friday, April 9th to the general public. So there's also a, another golf tournament that's happening that same week down in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> so I uh, I have a, I have. Reason to uh, suspect that there will be a lot of golf fans that will be tuned in uh, to CBS to, to watch the Masters. And uh, it makes perfect sense for us to, to go on sale that week. So um, we're excited about the the possibilities in 2021. You know, just stay up to speed on all of our great news at our website, WCFedEx.com, or any of our social media handles, and we look forward to welcoming everybody back.
0: I lied. One last thing for you uh, do you get to go to tournaments around the country, i.e. the masters and, and, and pick up tips and, yeah. and talk to your fellow tournament directors about, uh, how best to, uh, to pull off an event?
2: Yeah. You know, it's a, it is a very close fraternity of people that, um, run tournaments. Um, and we're all, we're all friends and we're all sharing how we, how we execute this one week a year in each of our markets. Um, I traveled much more with the FedEx St. Jude Classic because we were doing more player uh, outreach, player PR, player recruiting, however you want to uh, however you'd like to phrase that. Um, I have been fortunate enough to go to the Masters, um, really just as a guest and as just to take into that spectacle. I've been fortunate enough to go to the to, to the Players Championship, but all of us that that run tournaments or that work in tournaments for for a living. Um, we're always staying close and asking how, and especially in times like today, like how how are things going? What are you doing differently? What are you seeing? Um, So it's a very, very supportive community and group. Uh, And I hope to get back on the road here soon just to see some more of the tournaments because every single one of them does a fabulous job and they're all different in some way. While it's a golf tournament, they're all different in some way, which make them unique to that community.
0: Daryl, thank you so much for the time, and uh, we'll see you around Southwind.
2: Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Pete.
0: Without a doubt, FedEx St. Jude Invitational Week is one of the highlight weeks of the entire year in Memphis. Great golf, beautiful golf course, and as Daryl suggested, it really is underrated. But if you talk to the pros who come out and play it every year, guys like Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, they are huge fans of TPC Southwind. It's a great golf course a lot of water, a lot of trouble, and uh, very rarely do you see the pros beat that course up and you know post scores of 20 under par or something for the week. It, it really is a very, very good golf course. And if you are in the Memphis area, I hope that you might uh, check it out this summer. And that is our 901 knowledge for today. And we leave you with this. If there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guarantee to transform Memphis, would you do it? Well, if that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement and become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. They're doing their framing consultations by appointment at 901-685-7796. Give Chris Garner a call at that number, set up your framing consultation, go on in with your project, and I guarantee it uh, that Chris will do a fantastic job with it. And we appreciate Chris's support of the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies Foundation, and uh, just a great neighbor and a great guy. So please do patronize him and uh, tell him that the Grizz Weekly Grind sent you to Garner Framing. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, episode 26. Our thanks to Jaron Jackson Jr., the Grizzlies communications staff, and also to Daryl Smith of the FedEx St. Jude Invitational for helping us out with today's show. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network.